autonomy, uh, competence and relatedness are what we psychologists refer to as the basic psychological needs that we need in order for human flourishing or intrinsic motivation. So they said, no, it's great. You know, the computer, the AI, or here just the tablet with the numbers actually gives us the autonomy to ask for help when we need it. And we also get the transparency to feel that we actually know all the information that we need in order to be effective humans or here workers. We feel competent because we get immediate feedback on what we're doing. Hello, everyone. It's Raquel Ark. It's time to work smarter and feel better together. Welcome back to Your Listening Superpower Podcast, where we explore listening as a superpower that transforms communication into connection, both at work and at home. Listen in on inspiring conversations with authors, scientists, and leaders that will open your mind about what is possible and give you communication tools for your leadership toolbox that you can use right away. Let's have fun discovering and growing our listening superpower together. On this episode of the Listening Superpower podcast, we will dive into artificial intelligence and its connection to listening. Our guest is award-winning author, speaker, and educator, Professor Dr. Niels van Quackebeke. He is a professor of leadership and organizational behavior at Kuna Logistics University in Hamburg, Germany. He is recognized as one of the top 100 German-speaking business scholars. He's a psychologist by training, and he is on the mission to improve leadership at work through research evidence. His topics range from leadership to conflict management and negotiation. And more recently, he is diving into the topic of AI, which will be the focus of our podcast today. A few years ago, I also interviewed Niels about his research on powerful questions when I first started this podcast, which at the time had the name of Listen In. And this episode is still one of our most listened to episodes that we have. We'll add the link to the notes just in case you missed it. Enjoy listening in to the impact of AI alongside the power of listening. Niels, welcome back to the Listening Superpower podcast. I'm really happy to have you back on again, and a lot has happened. Thanks for having me, Raquel. So last time we were talking, we, did, we dove a lot into asking questions and how that's impacted in listening and in leadership. And I'm curious to where our conversation will go today. But if you think back at our last conversation and where you were at in your research and what you're doing and where you were focused, and now looking at where you're focusing now and the impl implications on, on leadership and even listening, um, what, are you, what do you know now that you didn't know before? Or maybe something new that you learned? Let's consider the context also of our last conversation. I remember I gave the interview or the podcast out of the car trying to shield myself from the kids who were around because we were in lockdown with the first COVID lockdown that we had in Germany. And since then, three years roughly have passed. And I think what everybody has seen is, is now an advent of more digital technology between us, um, Zoom, Teams, Slack, and so on. And since about a year, the advent of AI. And so I'm very interested now how our relationships are formed 
not only with each other through technology, but also of us and technology. And obviously listening plays a big role in that. So when was the, can you remember the first moment where you thought, uh oh, there's something here with AI and listening? <laughs> What's going on? And I got to pay attention. Do you remember that moment? Oh, oh yeah. But, so that was actually back in my study days. Um, and I will connect the dots. But back in my study days, I found out about a program which was called ELISA. And ELISA was a simple program, programmed to mimic a clinical psychologist doing a therapy with a client. And it would simply use standardized questions and then rehash some of the words that the client would actually type into the computer. And so you would have this conversation. Eliza would ask you, how are you doing, Raquel? And you would be saying, I'm doing well. And then the program would just ask in a standardized fashion, well, can you expand on that? Or can you elaborate on that? Or what do you mean by well? And so out of that, they'd have a conversation. And it was already back then, I think the computer program was done programmed in the 60s or so, it was already back then that people actually found the interaction quite stimulating. And many of them actually didn't understand that there was a, just a computer on the other side. And now connecting the dots from what was possible in the 60s with this program called ELISA and what we have today with ChatGPT, and you ask ChatGPT something and it actually responds to you, this is just incredible in terms of the implications that will have for human-computer interaction. And not only, yeah, human-computer interaction. So, so how does this connect to why we're even talking about it here today? Well, for me, this is all on a trajectory. I'd, I'd like to segment it into the now, new, and next of our relationship with technology. The now, I would say, is the now that we've experienced, especially over the last three years, everything has become more technologically mediated. So there's technology between you and me on the other side. Such a technology then transmits video or audio in now better quality. And we have to learn skills how to best use it, you know, in the video, how to best present yourself in the video so that you look eye to eye, um, but also how to calibrate the audio, how to do your podcast, for instance, in a way that people actually like to listen to it and there is not all the static sound. And so there are lots of things in the in this realm of the now where communication is just digitally mediated. Sure, it's something we got to learn how to figure out because it's not face-to-face. -face. We can't read some of the body language. And just other cues are missing. And that already makes things harder, a lot harder, also listening to each other. I mean, you know, the listener might imagine right now being in a Zoom call. And in the Zoom call, many of us would have the picture of themselves also activated on screen. So who do you look at? Do you look at the other person? Or do you look at yourself while you're talking? And does it irritate you? Or does it draw your attention away? There are all these things that we now need to consider in the now of technological development. Now, next stage would be the new. The new is, and we've seen some of that, is digitally supported communication. We are seeing now tools coming out that actually give you feedback on the engagement of the conversation partner. You're, so let's assume you're, for instance, also in a Zoom call and Zoom would actually highlight to me, hey, Raquel on the other side, she's right now not engaged because there would be a face reader on your face and it would show, you know, depending on, on some predetermined training data that you are apparently right now not engaged. Is that now a positive prompt for me that I should engage you more, that I should leave the floor more to you so you can speak or ask you an inspiring question and so on and so on. So we have this, this in this new, 
the technology supports us and might also support us in the types of things we say also things we say in response to somebody else and many people will have made that experience already with chatbots online i mean sure there are the very rudimentary ones where you ask yourself why do i have to click through this but there are also the more sophisticated ones that you can have almost a conversation with and many service call centers are also using it by now so you might have the call center agents which are humans but they're now getting depending on your email and usually it's a complaint email so depending on the tone in your complaint email an ai will pre-script something to the call center agent that then the call center agent can work with and send to back to the client so it's almost like the ai is now part of our listening system and tries to make sense of the other party and tries to gauge what the other party needs in order to be well in the call center context to be efficiently taken care of and now let's take this a step further the step further is us just having a relationship with technology you know technology not being anymore just a mediator or an assist function for us but us actually having that type of relationship communication relationship with an AI you I just heard this morning in Korea apparently um, there is now a study showing that many women are turning to AI chatbots uh, as their evening conversation partners because these are nicer conversation partners than the actual males available <laughs> and sorry <laughs> yeah I know but that's amazing I mean, you, but you see variants of this also I mean yeah, absurd elements also of this we even have chatbots for dating sites uh, one of them is called slutbot where you, it, for instance starts to talk dirty for you if you're not good and, and dirty talk and then plugs off what the other one tells you now and here I think the interesting thing is that people have this notion that you know you're interacting with your computer but that's not the way it's going to feel like in the future. In the, in the future, most of that interaction is going to feel very integrated, either because you really interact with a voice. So some of your listeners might have watched the movie Her. It's an awesome movie, it's, and it paints a first picture of how a human is interacting with a voice AI. And I think that's something we're already moving into with Siri, Alexa, and so on. So you're just going to have that little earbud and you're just going to talk to that person or person AI person in in your ear and it's always going to be with you or the other way how AI is going to be seamlessly integrated in our life is through the metaverse um, much of our work is going to move more and more online and we're not going to have these types of zoom meetings where we look at a screen but we're going to work any type of VR goggles or glasses and then we're going to meet each other digitally now, when we meet each other digitally, it's hard to say whether I'm actually meeting you, Raquel, or whether I'm meeting an AI and the avatar form. And also the avatars are not gonna just look as like pixelated computer animations. They can actually take the shape and form of humans. This is already possible today. Even in a Zoom call today, this would be possible. So our it's gonna feel more natural, our interaction with AI. And then the question is, are we going to get the same type of satisfaction out of these types of conversations? And that is something that intrigues me because it's a future we're walking into.
you know, how can this help us and what might we have to just be careful of um, that's related to communication, to working well together, also to leadership? First, I think there is a world of opportunity out there right now to explore. And especially as the processing power of AI increases, it can become more personalized. We don't have it yet, but you can also train certain AIs really for you so that they also develop a history with you and you you get your personal companion almost. And we see it in some applications already in our higher education field, but also in other education fields, that you can have personalized tutors, for instance. So Khan Academy, many people will know, they've launched just a couple of months ago, they've launched something which is called Khan Meagle, which is your personalized AI tutor. And it's interesting the way how they've programmed it, they work together with OpenAI, is that it really is a personal tutor that takes your responses into account and then tries to understand where you've where you're off then tries to understand how you got to your solution and then tries based on your way of thinking also to give you an insight into the better path to the solution so ai just has that patience to do it listening does require patience and ai has potentially all that processing power to listen to every nuance. And AI has the response resources at its disposal. It's not necessarily biased in one way, but it really has a, has a whole bouquet of responses, how it can interact with you. So that makes for a very enjoyable interaction, actually, where you don't feel stupid, you don't feel misunderstood, you feel somebody else is taking the time and somebody else actually communicates in a way with you that you understand it and, and you also feel seen. And we do see this, not just in the education domain, but I myself and, and some other researchers were, were using these insights and also looking at them in organizations. And we see there, for instance, those implications. We see we've been to a factory in Turkey and they are now leading their people digitally. This is a closed factory. And we came in there and all the factory workers, they had their little tablet and in the tablet they were interacting and telling the tablet when their machine was not working, the tablet told them what to produce and, and so on and so on. And, and the tablet also showed them the, the uh, bonuses they would get for the production and team bonuses and so on. And we came in and thought, this is dystopia. Who wants to, who wants to work like that? But the workers there were telling us, no, this is so much better. Because beforehand, we had a foreman or like you know, the lower level manager and you had to brown nose him in order to get any type of information or to get any spare parts for your machines. Often there wouldn't be any transparency. We wouldn't know what our bonus would depend on. And in fact, we wouldn't get any numbers whatsoever. And so we didn't feel autonomy, competence, or any sense of relatedness. And mind you, these, these three things, autonomy, uh, competence, and relatedness are what we psychologists refer to as the basic psychological needs that we need in order for human flourishing or intrinsic motivation. So they said, no, it's great. You know, the computer, the AI, or here just the tablet with the numbers actually gives us the autonomy to ask for help when we need it. And we also get the transparency to feel 
that we actually know all the information that we need in order to be effective humans or here workers. We feel competent because we get immediate feedback on what we're doing. It's not opaque when I will get a bonus and when not, but it's but it's measured and it's all there and it's fair. And then the last part, I thought well, that's the toughest part, the relatedness, because then everybody's just with their tablet. But they were saying, no, you know what's great? We actually have teen bonuses, but we never knew what they depended on. Now we see the whole production line and I can see if, for instance, the machine of Tina is not working, I'm going to go over to Tina and ask her, hey, what's going on? And it creates a sense of community, almost like a team spirit that everybody rallies together because they also know that their team bonus ultimately depends on them collectively performing. And these are just some things that are already out there. Just consider the potential. And I mean, we, we, we got to be fair here. We're on an exponential curve of the technological development in, in the AI sphere. Just consider the potential of, for instance, an AI talking to you as Raquel, taking you very seriously, engaging with your creative thoughts, giving you prompts how to write better, maybe already giving you some snippets or giving you some advice of who to interview, how to interview them, giving you positive feedback, saying, oh, this was a terrific interview. I thought especially that sentence and that sentence, you haven't said that before, but it seemed to have pivoted the conversation and generally be there for you as sort of like a coach. What are the implications for that? And maybe, huge. <laughs> yeah, and maybe it even connects you with other people. So it yeah. doesn't only need to be your only friend, but it could also say, Raquel, there is somebody else. I, there is an Alex in Sweden, and he does something similar. And there is a guy in Israel, he does something similar. You should talk to the two of them. Should I write an intro? So AI can also help us to build human communities. Okay. So this is me saying, what are the opportunities? There are great opportunities. And I think beyond just the discovery part where we might discover new antibiotics and cures for cancer and new business models and so on, there is a lot of human potential in interacting with AI in the future that is to come. You know, I was, before you get into the challenges, hold on to your challenges thing, but let me, let me just tap into this thing you know, what I, the, the example that you gave with this factory in Turkey, really interesting, this transparency, giving feedback that they felt it was fair feedback, that they, that they understood what was going on, they knew what to prioritize, they got help right away, you know, so this basic survival, or, you know, you, the human need, this, and back to re- the relatedness and team bonuses. Um, I was just thinking that you know, often what you see um, in organizations is that there's a lot of different projects and there's always this discussion about priorities and they're all dependent on each other. And then one team needs something else from another team to get something done. But then that team says, well, I have to get this done. It's not a priority. And then they're stuck. You know, there's this bottleneck that happens, but there's a lot of unclarity. And what you described there kind of takes that out the unclarity. So people aren't worried. Is it me? What are their priorities? You know, what's going on? And, you know, that takes up a lot of mind space and worry and stress, you know, also. And if that part could be cleared out, that gives a certain freedom to focus, knowing where to focus and what conversation to have to go at another level where maybe we can have a more dynamic and more healthier conversation because that stuff has been taken care of. That's yeah, really let interesting. On, let me draw an analogy, and it's a very rudimentary one, but I think it drives home the point. 
I think many of us have issues with sports because there is this competitive element. Am I good enough? Am I strong enough? Am I improving enough? How do I fare vis-a-vis the other team players or in the gym and so on? And um, yeah, so so it always has this social layer to it. It's never just sports that there is the social layer. And I think that's the reason why many of us love sports apps where you can just run or close your rings or whatever it is that that you're using as a sports app. And you don't shout at your Apple Watch, damn, I thought I have closed my rings. But you take it as like an objective assessment and you have, as you say, a conversation with yourself. Okay, what do I want to achieve for myself? Because that social layer is not there anymore. And that is important because that social layer inhibits many of us um, to speak up or, you know, go for certain things. But unfortunately, that social layer also motivates many of us to do something that's maybe not that smart because we do it for status and recognition and so on. So taking that away is going to be an interesting development for us humans generally as a species. Yeah, it's not always going to be easy because we have our patterns, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and we will remain competitive animals. That's that's yeah, for sure. That's the question right. is what that's else right. are we going to compete on? Should I get so into the challenges now, now? Now let's go into the challenges. <laughs> All right. And, All right. And this let, is, it, let us this, have it. Let yeah, this, it. Is a, this is a deep dive on the human condition. Um, I think the way how we can anticipate our interaction with AI to be, it's going to be very nice. Very nice because an AI has no interest to antagonize you and has a way of speaking with you that you like it has the tone and if you don't like the voice of the voice assistant you just go for a different voice like you can already do it today and so so all these these little annoyances of, of real life don't come to the fore and it remembers and it has all these so it has memory resources it has response resources and so on so our interactions with it are going to be very nice but what does that do to us humans? Because nice and what is good can only be experienced in contrast to something that's been bad. It's a, it's a truism almost of human perception. We cannot perceive something in isolation. It's always figure and ground. It's something against something else. So our joy is that much more joyful if we also know the dark places we won't experience many dark places anymore in that type of interaction what does that then mean for our joy will our joy also be thwarted will it dwindle down will we have you know three to ten years where we are just joyful that we don't have these annoying bosses but afterwards will we just not feel anything anymore and the other part is i mean that's the affect part the emotions part The other part is also our skill set. Will we be able to still converse with people who are not attuned to us, who don't bring those resources in terms of memory, but also responses? So that's the more behavioral part. And then I would say there is also a growth part. Um, Let's call it the cognitive part. And you learn from setbacks. You grow from setbacks and failures. You learn with people that challenge you. You don't learn that much with people that agree with you or find their very indirect way of nudging you in a certain direction. 
you in a discussion i think everybody experiences that they might not like the discussion that, that they have over the dinner table but through the discussion they discover what their own opinion is and what they believe in and what not or they might see oh i had a strong opinion but really the other one is right but it, it needed a certain degree of friction and conflict with each other in order to explore and push open a new door that otherwise was cognitively closed for me and so how are we gonna do that how are we still gonna grow in a in a world that is just catered to us and the comparison that i'm drawing here again rudimentary but i think it brings home the point is social media social media versus regular media you had a newspaper back in the old days you sure you bought a newspaper that usually i guess aligns sort of with your political views or, or lifestyle views and then you open it up but you had different essays in there you still had a certain breadth of opinions you wouldn't agree with everything and some people would also write in a way that maybe rubs you the wrong way and that would make you grow as a person and also become better at living because you discover something through reading and having an inner discourse that otherwise you wouldn't have now contrast that with social media well we are in our little social media optimized uh, echo chambers that simply just give you what you like and what you spend the most time with so it's the puppy videos or it's maybe videos from your political party or it's whatever it is and you're not you're not really antagonized anymore nothing nothing tickles your mind that much anymore it's more like a short dopamine hit and so are we then still able to consume media that provides more friction for us and i think if we've seen anything in our society no humanity becomes less capable of doing that mm -hmm. with all the collateral damage that it has for generally our society and not being able to live in the world of diversity and plurality because that's the reality but ai is handling now all that plurality and diversity for us we don't have to confront us how is it going to be if we don't even have to talk to people anymore but we've we're used to an ai just talking to us how can we even interact with other people who have a different style so there is my challenge and my worry a little bit going into the world um of that future and sure we're going to have pushback developments like maybe there's going to be a naturalist movement people that don't want to do anything with technology and so on and likely we're going to have that and maybe there is another part that that will that will lift ai up to almost godlike status and we're going to see all of that but on average i think the humans will find themselves a lot more pampered a lot less challenged and seriously it in their potential for growth and we need to bring that back or sustain it and I think and now I'm coming full loop I think having a listening skill and a communication skill with each other and listening is a core part actually listening trying to understand that is a core part of maintaining that growth potential within you and that is not being done with an AI. You shouldn't be trained to listen to an AI, but be trained to listen to other humans and their ways of seeing the world and interacting with it. Well, thank you so much about the, for taking us on this journey. <laughs>
of the impact of, of AI on, on listening, on leadership, on our human competencies and our human experience. And um, I think we're gonna be learning a lot and uh, just, you know, for our listeners to, for those of you who are interested in this listening topic to recognize that this is really core towards helping us to make sure we move through this. I don't know if this worries me or makes me a little bit more fearful or whatever is that our world will get too, like you use the word flat, I use the word numb or just kind of neutral and not have all the colors, the fire, the passion, the, you know, the excitement. Also when they're, even when we have tension in these challenging conversations where it shifts my mindset, it really shifts my whole perspective and helps me to see things in a different light and, and grow as a person. That's the part that when you talk about that worries me the most. So I hope that, you know, our listeners to really pay attention to how learning how to listen in a way that, that invites those challenges and that invites the colorful parts, the parts that may challenge how we think to find ways, even in the people who are listening that are programmers of AI, you know, how do we bring some of that, other stuff in to make sure we keep things, shake things up, that we don't become boring. <laughs> boring. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to become boring? <laughs> well, the way that I would say it is that we're not becoming sedated and sleepwalk into a future that it will be very hard to wake up from. And I think one of the ways is to celebrate the human life that we have with each other and start building communities and and be more deliberate now how we interact with each other you know i find it so interesting that we spend hours and hours pondering how to best prompt an ai if we would spend the same hours and hours to think about how we could best have a conversation with another person just imagine the the potential we would unleash between two people but we don't do it we do it for the machines and i get it right now is the curiosity but i think at the same time we should all have a curiosity to think about the world that we want to create coexisting with ai and it can't be more of the same because ai is going to be better in many other things so what is the human existence and what do we want to celebrate and part of that celebration is the way how we communicate the way how we form insights, the way we overcome challenges. And listening has a lot to do with it because listening actually holds a space for all of that. Thank you so much for being on the Listening Superpower podcast again. And if people want to get in contact with you, how do they do that? Um, just look me up on social media. I'm super happy to connect with people. I also frequently post about research in the domains of leadership, communication, but also AI, and mostly as research articles. So I'd like to put some evidence out there and not just opinion pieces, because I think we have enough opinions in this world. Um, so for <laughs> those of you that are interested in also the research that's happening, I try to provide little summaries and then a link to the original articles. Always happy to see that community grow of people that also are interested in. Thank you, Niels. Thank you so much for having me again. I'm your host, Raquel Ark, and you have just enjoyed your listening superpower podcast. This is an independent show. So please show your support by subscribing, leaving a five-star review and sharing with your friends. 
I love to hear from my listeners what you love, what questions you have, any great guests that you have for the podcast. Email me at listeningsuperpower at gmail.com or send a voicemail at plus four nine one seven three two three four zero seven two two. Check out listeningalchemy.com if you want to help your team communicate more effectively together. We focus on evidence-based listening strategies, and we do it in a playful and experiential way so that your team can work better and feel better together. Thank you, Cecilia Mercado, for your amazing podcast production, Ivo Tiemann for your inspiring music, and Dorte Streicher for your impactful artwork. It's been fun, and see you on the next episode.